Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the word. They ask, how far south did you move? You're using the word y'all now. I was confused. <laughs> I didn't think Pennsylvania was that far south. <laughs> I'm excited to have Dan back. It's just a blessing to have him here. And how many of you noticed he was back? Yeah, you all missed it. You know it. Goodness gracious. All right. We are in John chapter 2. I didn't give you page numbers or anything up there, so you're on your own. I trust you to be adults. <laughs> but I have to tell you about Virgil. Virgil had a neighbor, and he was very suspicious of his neighbor. He's like, I think he's hiding marijuana in the middle of his logs. I can say this now because Lester has a pot place. So. <laughs> so we can have all these jokes come in now. It's a blast. <laughs> anyway, so Virgil says, I'm going to call the sheriff on him. So he calls the sheriff. He says, Sheriff, I'm worried about my neighbor Floyd. Floyd's hiding marijuana in all of his logs in his shed. You need to do something about it. So the next day, the sheriff's department descends on Floyd's property. They go out to his shed. They attack all of those logs with axes and find nothing. Hmm. Floyd gets a phone call. Hey, Floyd, this is Virgil. Yeah. Did the sheriff's department come yesterday? Yeah. Did all your logs get split yesterday? Yeah. Happy birthday! <laughs> The things we do for our friends, right? I know. My daughter, my daughter says, you have to keep telling jokes because they're so bad. <laughs> but they do make me laugh, so it's kind of fun. All right, that said, John 2, verses 1 through 11, we're going to look at, which is, this is Jesus' first miracle. Okay, and we're going to look at that. But we're going to look at it in a little bit different context um, yes, we're going to look at the details of the, the miracle and kind of what happened, but we're going to pick up four principles along the way that's going to help us as we try to live for the Lord, as we try to connect with the Lord. Um, I mean, how many of you would say, sometimes it just feels difficult to connect with God? How many of you say, sometimes it's just, it, it's like he doesn't have skin on. He can't, I can't like call him up and just say, hey, and hear his voice and get an answer. We have to be a little bit more faithful and trusting. So hopefully this message will help you understand how God works a little bit more and what we can do to connect with God a little bit better. All right, so that said, let me plant myself here. Um, John's gospel is the only gospel that gives this miracle. The other ones do not include it. Um, somebody that I read, his name is Doug Newton, um, he talks about this miracle in this way. John's, um, in John's mind, Jesus' miracles were not just supernatural wonders. They were miraculous signs pointing to Jesus' divine identity and unique mission. And when we, we get to the bottom, verse 11, it'll kind of cement that down. Um, but see, that's where, I don't know, I don't know about you, but when I open the Word of God, when I have my personal devotions, my heart is to understand God's heart. 
to understand what he intended this word to say. Um, sometimes we can get so caught up in just the academic aspect of this, understanding the details, understanding the stories, understanding who did what and how it went down, that we can lose understanding who God is. See, God, he, he gave us this personhood to help us understand that he has attributes, he has qualities, he has these things that he wants us to connect with. I mean, that's why there's a lot of personification in the Bible. He wants us to connect with him and understand him and then ultimately come to the point where we trust him, right? Not only in salvation, but then the rest of our life. I mean, that, that's probably the, the one thing that blows my mind the most. So many people will come and trust Christ for eternity, right? They come to salvation, they trust him for eternity, but we struggle with trusting him for today. What he wants us to do today, the things that he has for us right now. Uh, oftentimes, miracles in the Bible were born out of a place of need, a need for food, a need for water, a need for healing, a need for understanding, all those kinds of things. And so that's certainly what this is going to provide for us today, but also I hope you really connect with um, our role in our relationship with God. See, I think sometimes we come to Christ and we go, okay, it's all in you now, God. And, you know, sometimes we preach that. You know, let, let God come in, let God do this, give these things to God. But there is a personal aspect that has to be part of this relationship. See, that's the thing. We talk about God's relationship, relationship, relationship. It's two, right? A relationship of one is not a relationship. Just you're out for a walk alone. But we've got to connect. All right, so we're going to look at the first verse here, looking at this... Um, I want you to catch four principles that will challenge your prayer life, develop your relationship, but understanding that it starts with invitation. And that, that's why I called this, labeled this, by invitation only. Uh, God's not going to force himself into your life. He wants you to invite him in. And, and that's the whole um, challenge of free will. You know, God gives us this opportunity to have free will because he wants us to choose to yield to him, choose to follow him, choose to walk in obedience to his word, choose to align our lives to his truth. And that's something we need to consciously do. You can't put a Bible under your pillow and think by osmosis you're going to become a better Christian. It just doesn't work that way. It'd be nice. <laughs> it would be really nice. But it doesn't work that way because it would eliminate everything that's required for us to understand him and understand the relationship and understand how this all works. All right, so <clears throat> read with me, if you will, uh, John chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Uh, trusting Jesus with everything. And that, that's our first principle that we really want to focus in on. Trust Jesus with everything. All right, verse 1. It says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Now, how do you think that might have gone down? Do you think she kind of went, ah, they got no wine? Or do you think that she came up to him and was like, they have no wine? <laughs> Understand, I mean, back in the day, weddings were, I mean, I know you're like, well, weddings are huge now, but weddings then could last two days, three days a week. 
And so it's like, you know, you've got to plan, you've got to prepare, you've got to have all this stuff in place. And to run out of something was like, that was like a cardinal sin. It's like, you just, you, you have all these guests, these people have come in. I mean, that's why a lot of the traditions that have hung around are like so like gnarly now. It's like, the napkins are wrong. It's like, they're napkins. But I mean, people get, yeah, people get that way, right? People get crazy about this stuff. And that's what was going on here. Something that was critical to what was happening was amiss. And, and Mary came to Jesus. And that, you know, trusting Jesus, we, we've got to do that day by day. We've got to do that moment by moment. We've got to go to him in those times when something is amiss. And, and when it's not, too. And we'll talk about that later. But it's like going to him. And sometimes we think, you know, oh, this is smaller. This is, you know, it's minimal. Is this, I can handle this. But no, he wants us to include him in everything. He wants us to partner with him. Now, interesting little story I will tell you, because it reminded me of this immediately. Um, I went back to our wedding day, and uh, it was a big shindig. We had like 350 people, and um, it was the big to-do. I won't tell you all the fun stories that led up to it, but anyways, the day of. Um, you know, my wife, I was up here, my wife was beautiful, she came down, we had our our ceremony, and then we went to a park to take pictures, and we had a huge wedding party. And as we got there, my father-in-law came up to me, and it's like, that's why this reminds me of this so much, and he just kind of leaned over and he said, don't worry, but your cake fell. <laughs> okay. No problem, because wedding cake isn't a big deal at a wedding, right? Not a problem. We'll just bypass the cake part. Uh, but unbeknownst to us, um, the woman who had made it, well, Glenda Graham actually made our cake. Um, she and the other pastor's wife at the time, they didn't even get to see our wedding because they had to run down, clean up cake, and then figure out how to get cake. And uh, it was pretty wild. Our cake ended up coming from Crown Bakery. Because <laughs> it was like down the road. But here's the cool part. There were four bakers just hanging out and they were just not doing much. And so they, these two ladies descended on them and said, we need that cake there, and we need this, and you need to make sheet cakes, and boom, 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 and we had cake. Now, people thought we were nuts because we were cutting the only real part of the cake, because <laughs> the, the other thing was uh, out of the window. But it was one of those situations where something went wrong, <laughs> and that's what happened here. And so it's like understanding that we need to trust Jesus with everything because it's like, how can that stuff happen? You know, did, did God put four bakers at Crown Bakery to do nothing because he knew the cake was going to fall and we needed to have that happen? Was it circumstance? What, who knows? But trusting God and trusting the fact that God was going to work it all out is incredible. I'll give you one more trusting God with everything. When we were missionaries, one of the things we used to do was run um, evangelistic events for teenagers. And so we were going into a new area, Garden Grove, California, and uh, we were going to run a basketball event, which it's called Basketball Marathon. Teams play basketball all day, and then in the middle of the day, they have a salvation message, and then we play more basketball. And so you need a certain amount of space for a certain amount of students and all that kind of stuff. So I go and I coordinate the whole thing with the college. It was a college in Garden Grove. 
And uh, we work it all out. We've got all the number of courts we need. And they said they could set up this one particular gymnasium with three full courts, which was great. And the space was there and everything. Well, we get there the day of the event. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I apologize. The night before to just double check because I'm a control freak. So we got there the night before, and they were like, they had it set up, but they only had it set up for half-court stuff. I'm like, this isn't going to work. So it's like I called the person that I was working with. I'm like, what? You know, you told me we're going to have three full courts. It's set up for half court. What's the deal? Oh, well, that's all we have, and that's the only way we can do it. I said, that's not what you told me. They said, well, that's all we have. That's what you've got. Work with it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Lord, you've got to show up here because you've got to figure out something to make this all work. And so we got there early because we were going to try to, like, okay, how can we rearrange stuff? How can we do stuff a little differently? And uh, one of the janitors was there, and he's like, you know, you seem kind of tense. What's going on? You can't imagine me tense, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, you know, originally we were told this and blah, 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 and, you know, this happened. And he said, oh, he says, that shouldn't be a problem because, you know what, the old gym is right next door here, and there's a class that's just finishing up, and I'll sweep it down and set it up for you, and you can use it. And so, boom. Instant gymnasium. How does that stuff happen? Right? God works it out. You know, God challenged me that day that he can make a gym show up overnight. He's that good. Okay? And we've got to trust that our God is that big. I think sometimes we shrink him down to just these magical things we see on TV and think, that's, oh, yeah, that's all God can do. He can create anything he needs whenever he needs it. So we've got to trust Jesus with everything. <clears throat> How often do you go to God? And again, rhetorical question, not looking for hands, but how often do you go to him and just talk to him and share with him and vent at him and joy with him? You know, I'm guilty of definitely venting more than joying with him. But we need to get better at that. Um, you know, an old hymn came to mind as I was kind of putting this together. Um, during this wedding crisis, Mary knew she needed to talk to Jesus about this situation. And it reminded me of the song, I Must Tell Jesus. And it's cool. I'm just going to give you the first and the last verses, which are very short. But it says, I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, he kindly will help me. He ever loves me and cares for his own. And I think we, we do good with that. When the crisis comes, when the trial comes, we do pretty good about, Lord, why is this happening? Why did this come my way? What's going on? But then, oh, how the world to evil allures me. Oh, how my heart is tempted to sin. I must tell Jesus he will enable over the world the victory to win. And I, I think we need to be more preemptive with our time with God and be honest about where we are really at. I mean, our circumstances sometimes, you know, we minimize. We minimize our sin. We minimize our challenges. We minimize what's going on in our life. And we have to be honest about the situation. I mean, here the situation was, there's no wine. It's gone. It's done. We've got to become part of our relationship with God that's active, not reactive. 
Trust Jesus with everything. Can you do that? Can we do that? I think we can. Secondly, we need to act on God's truth. Verse 4, read with me. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not come, has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Okay, Nike moment right here, right? Just do it. Now, it's funny, to me, this is like a typical son and mom thing that just went down here. Don't you see that? It's like, Mom, what do you, what do you want? Whatever he says, just do it. It's like, you know, it's one of those situations where mom knows what's really going to happen. Mom knows how it's going to go down. But we have to understand that it's Jesus we're talking about here. And Jesus knew what was going to happen and how it needed to go down. And we've got to yield to that. We have got to yield to that. Um, I read a quote that I I thought was very good. Uh, I don't think it's up on my notes. But it says, nature is unsteady, full of haste, and ever blundering in consequence. It is the irrationality of sin of men that find fault with divine providence. We must be open to God's timing. And I think we struggle with that, right? I mean, how fast can we make ramen? How fast can we make rice? How fast can we make things, right? And it's never fast enough, is it? I mean, you know, you can create a meal in a hot pot now, I think, in, what, 20 minutes. It's like, but that's not fast enough still for some people, which is kind of funny. But at any rate, acting on God's truth. So we have trust Jesus with everything, and now we need to act on God's truth. And this is whatever he says to you. Whatever he says to you. It's all here. The whole thing is here. All we have to do is engage with it. Acting on his truth. His word is truth. And and so we've got to engage with it. Um, Now, think about this. Mary had never seen Jesus perform a miracle. Yet, she expected him to impact this moment in some way. I don't know if he figured him and his buddies are going to go down to the package store. (laughs) or if they were going to go rob a vineyard, or what. But she knew that if Jesus was involved, something was going to happen. And I just find it amazing how this all took place. Now, one other element here is servants were used instead of the disciples. And I'm going to use this word, to eliminate collusion. This was a miracle. There was no sleight of hand. There was no hocus pocus. There was no, okay, we're just going to sneak this in when no one's looking. There were a whole group of people that had to show up, that had to help with this and make this go down. Now think about it. These pots, you know, I'm going to, I'll wait for that. I'll wait for those details. Now, one other aspect as far as acting on God's truth. A little bit ago I said, you know, God will supply all your needs in Christ Jesus, okay? I read that in this book a long time ago. And I have tried to pattern my life after it. And I've tried to live that way. And my wife and I have lived very specific, frugal lives for a very long time. But there are times when God will work in our hearts. And he will challenge us to let go of the stuff that we hold on to, oftentimes. And, um, you know, we're at a point in our life where we're thinking about retirement and thinking about how how that's going to go down. And 
preparing for, you know, the end of life stuff and who knows when that's going to go down. So it's like we're always looking at our budget. We're always thinking, it's not that we're neurotic about it, but we're just involved. Well, anyway, <laughs> we're involved. So we had, we, had we had both become aware of a need. And um, it was one of those situations where it was like God immediately said, you've got to get involved here. And it was like, in my head, immediately the thing was, I think $1,000 is really going to help this situation. And I'm like, I've got to tell my wife that. And so, actually, we were driving in the car, and uh, after the kind of we interacted with the, this family that kind of needed this, and she brought it up. She's like, you know what? God's kind of talking to me. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. God's talking to me too. How much is he talking to you? <laughs> and she's like, well, is, has he given you a number? And I'm like, so now we're like playing. Well, I don't know. You know, I don't know. So it's like, well, yeah, he, I mean, he, I said he immediately gave me a number. And she said, well, he's kind, and it was, I loved it. It was just, it was awesome. He's kind of telling me a lot of money. And I said, okay, I said, well, he's, so I finally, I'm like, he's telling me $1,000. <gasps> That's exactly what he's telling me. <laughs> so cool. And I don't say that to say, oh, I'm an awesome person. But it's, I say that because God is that awesome. He can work in her heart. He can work in my heart. He can tell us the same thing, and we can come together and know that this is about God. It has nothing to do with us. We just happen to be in the right place at the right time and get to share. That was the cool part. It was humbling to, to finally be in a place in our lives where we could help anybody. Because for years, I mean, you know, when we were missionaries, we were making $25,000 a year. We didn't think we'd ever buy a home, let alone help anybody financially. But God's that big. God is that incredible. God is that amazing that he will use anybody anytime when you're ready. And praise the Lord, we happened to be ready at that time, both of us together. And it was cool, and it was humbling, and it was a blessing. It was probably more of a blessing for us than that family. I don't know, but it was huge for us because we get to see God work in our hearts individually and then bring us together and unite us in his truth and then act on that truth. Because guess what? We give that away. God will meet our needs. And he's been faithful to do that our entire marriage without skipping a beat. We have always had a home. We've always had transportation. We've always been able to pay our bills. It was challenging at times, but, but we were always able to do it. God is that trustworthy. He is that faithful. He is that capable. But it's by invitation only. He's not going to force you to live this way. He's not going to make you do it. He's not going to hold a gun to your head and say, unless you do this. He wants you to trust him. And if you're a believer here today and you're a Christ follower and you say, yeah, I'm trusting him with my eternity. I know that I'm going to be with him. Then trust him for today too. And tomorrow and the next day and the next day. We, we've got to have that same level of trust. Acting on God's truth will change your life for sure. Thirdly, 
hold nothing back. Verse 6. It says, Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. Now I love that detail because it speaks volumes. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just where I'm at today in my head. Everything's punny. But the first part of this is there was water there for the whole act of purification. And that was, you know, washing of the hands and all the details that go through what the Jews' traditions were to live life. Okay? And what they do is they made sure they had enough water for all of the people who were going to be there. So that's how we can understand that they, this was very detailed. They took into account who was going to be there and how it was going to work and everything that happened. And they were sitting there empty because they had been used and everything that needed to be done was done. But that's not the typical container for wine. Because it can, you know, when you put certain things in water pots, I mean, it can pick up stuff. But God was going to use this anyways. They had provided enough water for the attendees, and now they're going to provide enough water, I mean, enough wine for the attendees as well. Now, 30 gallons of water weighs about 250 pounds. Okay, so wine's going to weigh at least that, right? And that's on top of the weight of the stone pots themselves. So, you think about this. Doubtful that, for us, oh, fill up the pots, right? We go over, (laughs) glug, 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 glug. Not the case back then. Who knows how far the well was? Who knows how many trips these servants had to make? Now think about it. Think think about if you were the servant, right? All right, fill these up because we're going to do something. And, you know, the first one you might do to the brim. Because, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a good servant. Yep, right up to the tippity top. And then you're like, well, you know, we've got a full one. So, you know, we could probably do this one a little less. And then a little less, a little less. And I mean, the, the last one has half in it, right? But that's not what these servants did. Jesus said, fill it up, and they filled it to the brim. All the way up. Because a miracle was going to happen. Now, I wonder what they thought. What's he going to do with all this water? Because, <laughs> I mean, I, I know, if I was there and I hadn't seen miracles, and that stuff wasn't really common, I wouldn't think, oh, I know what he's doing. He's going to turn this into wine. What did they think? See, I think that's where we struggle sometimes. We don't get it. That doesn't make sense. Why would you do that? Why would you think about doing that? And that, there's, the Bible's full of that stuff. And we trip up over it. You know, why would you live this way? Why would you not live this way? Why would you include these things in your life? Why would you exclude these things in your life? Why would you do these things? It doesn't make sense. And that's the world's logic talking. Because the world at large has come to a conclusion that that doesn't make sense. But God says it does, because it's my truth. It does, because this is what I'm asking you to do. It does, because this is what's going to allow me to be seen through you. It does, because I said it does. Kind of that dad moment. I said so, that's why. But see, we can trust him more than any other dad. 
because his word is truth. And we need to act on God's truth. We need to hold nothing back. And so we need to fill it to the brim. Now, what I'm talking about with respect to filling it to the brim is filling our time together with the Lord to the brim and not just half full and not just a quarter full. We need to invest there. We need to give as much as we can there because it will yield something amazing and incredible. But it takes effort, just like it did for the servants. They had to keep making the trips. They had to keep pouring the water. Who knows? You know, I'm sure they were trying not to let it spill because <laughs> that's you know, a lot of water, a lot of liquid. Now, I don't know how many of you remember Acts 5, right? There's Ananias and Sapphira. They had an opportunity to get involved with the situation and be a blessing. And the part that kills me about the story, they had sold some land and uh, because people were you know, bringing all things into commonality and they were helping the poor. And you know, if you had something, you'd bring it in and give it to somebody else. And so Ananias and Sapphira thought, hey, we want to get in on this. And so they sold some land and for whatever reason, it still baffles me. You know, they, they, they could have kept half of it. They could have kept 75% of it and just given 25% and, here's, and say, here's 25% of our proceeds. But instead they said, here's all of it, and they had kept some back. It's crazy. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. But that's what they did. And it's like, we rob ourselves when we hold back. Because it's like, to me, it's an indictment on who God is. We can't trust him. He's not trustworthy. But he wants us to be all in. I mean, that's how we come to him, right? You can't be half saved. You can't. You're either all in or not. And he wants the rest of our lives to be the same way. All in. No turning back. Here I am. Let's do it together. Nothing. And that's when incredible stuff happens. Hold nothing back. So, we've got trust Jesus with everything. We've got act on God's truth. Hold nothing back. And our fourth one is live like no other. Dun, dun, dun. This is a huge struggle for a lot of people. Because I don't want to stand out. And it's, it's ironic because it's like in our individuality, <laughs> we try not to stand out, which is kind of funny. So read with me, starting in verse 8. It says, And he said to them, Draw some water now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from. I love this. But the servants who had drawn the water knew, which, yeah, they were probably exhausted going, I hope they like it. The master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. Now, who has a favorite meal? Who has a favorite dessert? Yeah, right? Now, 
this just likens to that, that first bite, right, of that thing you love. It's like, mmm, it's so good. But then by the end, it's kind of like, eh, yeah, it's good. But it's, it's different. There's something about that firstness, right? And see, that, that's kind of what happens, you know, with, back in the day. It was like, you know, put out the good stuff right now, you know, the very little that we've got, and then we'll put in this other stuff later. <laughs> but no, that's not what happened here, because what happened wasn't like every other person does. It was different. The better. And to me, this is a wonderful celebration of who God is. Because he could have made something that was passable. He could have made something that was okay. He could have made something that was, you know, just, yeah. But it was amazing. Out of a stone pot. Out of water. And it was like, you've outdone yourself with this. And see, that, that's the huge blessing at the end of trusting God, is something amazing happens in your life. Something incredible takes place because you've trusted him and you've walked with him and you've, you've done it all and, and you have a confidence that God is taking care of me. Because our biggest struggle, I think, as individuals is taking care of ourselves. We want to make sure we don't lose. We want to make sure we get something free. We want to make it's it's hysterical. It's just it's kind of there. It's part of that old sin nature. I think that we've got to take care of us. I'm not saying you you know throw your hands up and go nuts, but God wants to take care of us. He wants to be in partnership with us, and that is a different way of living. And sometimes we struggle with that because it's like, if I do that, someone's going to ask me why and I don't want to have to tell them. I don't want to have to say, well, Jesus told me. Oh, you're one of those crazy people. <laughs> no, we struggle with that. And God speaks to that and we need to understand that we can't let that become a problem for us. Live like no other. Sending the wine to the governor to inspect and examine authenticates the end product. This wasn't just some kind of shady, oop, let's try to slide this in. This was something that was stellar, epic, amazing. If God's going to do something, he's going to do it well. As Christians, we can live confidently in what God produces in us. We can trust it. But sometimes the process is hard. And I'll be honest, I mean, there are some process, <laughs> things that God has done in my life that I have not enjoyed. It's not fun to understand my own challenges. But guess what? When I get beyond them, what it produces in my family is amazing. In my relationships, amazing. Because God knows what he's talking about. He's created it all. He knows how it's all supposed to work together. And we've got to trust him in that. Wineskins were the common method of wine storage, not stone water pots. Yet, the wine was exceptional. Think of this for a moment. If Jesus could do this to water-filled pots, imagine what he can do with worry-filled people. Imagine how he can provide unexpectedly high-quality wisdom or faith or peace where worry or fear exists. 
Let me state that again, because I don't want us to miss it. If Jesus could do this to water-filled pots, imagine what he can do with worry-filled people. Imagine how he can provide unexpectedly high-quality wisdom or faith or peace where worry or fear exists. We are at epidemic levels of anxiety. Epidemic. There is so much anxiety just rampant in our life. And we can impact that. God can impact that even better than us. And it's learning to live his truth. To yield. To invite him into our situation. And align our lives according to his truth. And it's not easy. It's not simple. There are, sometimes it's, it's really hard to, to get past certain things that he's asking us to do. Well, let me tell you, it's worth it. So worth it. You know, there is, I don't think there's anything I've given up that I've really missed because of what God's provided. See, that's the cool thing about who he is. He doesn't just say, you know, take this away, take this away, take this away, take this away, take this away. Okay, good luck. No, he replaces. He puts something else there because it, something else has to be there to fill that void. And he knows that. And we've got to be open to what he says and to how he wants it to work and work. And that can be challenging for us sometimes. We are asked to be in the world and not of the world. And I know we, we struggle with that. Because if we're in the world and we look different, people ask. And that's literally what God wants to happen. Because he wants people to say, wow, you don't seem worried. How come? Wow, you seem to have it all together. How come? Because he's wanting us to say, I trust Christ. And I follow my life according, I funnel my life according to the, the word of God. And I know these things used to be a struggle for me and now they're not. And this is what he's done. 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 Glorifying God, glorifying God, glorifying God, which is, we're going to see is exactly what happened in verse 11. Because people need to see the glory of God for it to impact them and to change their lives, especially non-believers. How are they ever going to see it unless we proclaim it? 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He wants us to have this brilliant testimony in the world. And we've got to live differently so it can be seen. And I'm not taking wacky, strange weirdo. I got a call like that this week. Somebody who's calling churches and telling them how they need to operate. It was a wonderful call. This woman yelled at me for 10 minutes. I've never been to your church, but... Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Verse 11. We're almost there. Home stretch. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. It's the first miracle after his baptism, his first miracle that he did publicly. 
and it impacted many people. A couple things and then we're done. Though Christ wrought a real miracle, he would not work more of a miracle than he needed. He made just enough. He would not create wine out of nothing, but turned water into wine. He multiplied the bread, changed the water, restored withered limbs, raised dead bodies, still working upon that which was, and not creating that which was not. Christ never produced a miracle unless needful, and then produced no more of a miracle than he needed. He is very precise in what he does. Jesus manifested his glory, the glory of his Godhead, doing this by his own power. Uh, Here shine forth his omnipotence, his bounty, his liberality, everything that might indicate him both great and good. The second effect of this miracle was that the disciples believed on him. The great end of the miracle is confirmation of faith. God never sets the seals of his omnipotence to a lie. All the miracles that Christ and his apostles did were as so many seals that the doctrine of gospel is true. And you're like, what? And it's summed up in John 5.36. But I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Christ has always wanted to say, I am who I am, I am who I am, this is who I am, everything I'm doing shows who I am, believe who I am. And all of his miracles just reinforce that, reinforce that, reinforce that, and prove that. John 2.2, going back to the beginning, because that's how life is sometimes. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. See, God transforms things. And when we bring them to him, you know, you look at the miracles, what happened, right? The boy brought his lunch. They brought water. We need to bring ourselves, our hearts, our hopes, our dreams to the Lord and then watch him transform them into something unbelievable. Because I firmly believe that there could be another modern-day Paul, a modern-day Peter, a modern-day John, a modern-day Matthew. I believe that's possible. Not that we're going to call them an apostle, but I think God can work that profoundly even today. But we've got to invite him in, and we've got to be willing to align our lives to his truth. So five things, one verse, and then we're done. We must invite Jesus into our circumstances through prayer. He will not force his way into your life. Trust Jesus with everything. Go to him even when you think it might not matter. Because it matters to him. Act on God's truth. Have your Nike moment. Whatever God says, do it. Because it's only going to benefit you. It's only going to be for your good and God's glory. Hold nothing back. Fill your pot to the brim. Live like no other. Let Jesus be seen in you as you learn to trust him even more. This is a cool verse, 2 Corinthians 1.12. Hopefully this can be your testimony at some point in your life. For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God and supremely so toward you. God wants all of us, 
to impact the world around us. We are in jobs, we are in neighborhoods, we are in families that need to be touched by God's grace. And you have that potential to do something. But you've got to invite him in because it's by invitation only. Pray with me. Father, we come before you this morning encouraged, thankful, praising you. Uh, You are just an amazing God. You are like no other God. And we are humbled by your power, by your strength, by your grace, by your mercy, by your love, by your how you function. And Lord, I ask that we would leave here today, Lord, willing to invite you into our circumstances, willing to give it all up to align ourselves to your truth, willing to open your word and understand where we've gone wrong or celebrate where we've gone right and, and walk this walk with you. Um, I don't want you to be a bumper sticker in my life. I want you to be my life. And I pray others would make that choice also. Uh, We walk out of here today, Lord, celebrating, celebrating the life of Jesus Christ, the strength that it provides, and the eternity with you that is possible as a result. And it is in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Have an awesome week. Look forward to seeing you guys next week.